Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is the Joys of Teaching Literature. If you'd like to know about, more about me, my website's www.theteachersworkshop.com. Uh, this week we're talking about uh, drama. Uh, the title of this is Five Ways to Have a Drama-Filled Classroom. So I'm really excited to do this. I, don't, I, I typically start, well, I, I typically start my year with um, short stories, poetry, um, but whenever I, I really get the ball rolling, I immediately jump into Shakespeare. And that's usually because I like to go chronological, um, so I can talk about the evolution of literature and how it kind of each writer has this impact on the next writer after them. But um, so we're going we're gonna to be talking, this is the, sort of a two-part podcast because I'm going to be talking about drama sort of broadly and how you can bring it into your classroom uh, in this episode. And then I'm going to get more specific uh, about uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, from the um, WNET group on pbslearningmedia.org, which I'll talk a little bit about. Um, but I'm going to talk about a specific scene that they have actually on their website um, and dive into the language of Romeo and Juliet a little bit to get a, you know, I'm going to kind of tell you how I bring this into my classroom and then I'll, I'll get a little bit more specific about, uh, you know, what we, what that version of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, but what I'm going to talk about today, you can kind of apply, you know, anything that, that you watch. You know, I do four or five different versions of Macbeth. That's uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow speech. Uh, Hamlet, there's usually just two that I do. Um, the David Tennant version, the Mel Gibson version. Uh, so, so everybody's probably got their versions that they like. So I'm going to kind of talk about how we can sort of use the text and bring in uh, the, the movie versions of, I, I guess I'm not really talk, specifically talking about Shakespeare for this, bra, uh, for this podcast, but the next one I'm going to focus solely on uh, Shakespeare. So yeah, so y- you can uh, rediscover the beauty of Romeo and Juliet in this stylized film version of Shakespeare's masterpiece from PBS Great Performances. Engage your students with fresh video and curricular resources by the WNET group on pbslearningmedia.org. And all you have to do is search for Romeo and Juliet. Um, I, I've already looked this up, and I, I, I think it's fantastic. Any, any time that you are dealing with just reading a, a book, um, and of course, with Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, any kind of Shakespeare play, you're always also thinking about the other versions of it that exist. But it's it's always just exciting to see like a different face um, and hear the lines recited slightly differently. And and especially, you know, I even just mentioned the uh, David Tennant version that BBC did a, a while ago from Hamlet, and that's always interesting because he's in a sort of modern um, space. They use guns and um, there's like war scenes in, in Macbeth, one version of Macbeth that was done. So it's interesting to see like what's the backdrop, sort of what's the, the setting of it and how true is the, is the film version of it, uh, tr- how true is it to the original text. Um, so that's all things you can kind of cover. Um, in cl- like the Mel Gibson version, for instance, the to be or not to be speech isn't even in the right place and they're kind of taking slices of different scenes to make it fit into the time of a, a regular Hollywood movie. Um, so all those kinds of choices on a larger scale are always interesting to consider. Um, but I, what I like to do is just show a clip of a particular uh, passage that we're going to get to in class and then um, show that. So I'll, I'll get into that as well, too. Um, but you should definitely check out uh, pbslearningmedia.org uh, to see what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's teaching materials there for you as well, too. Um, 
for the new stylized film version of, of Shakespeare's masterpiece. So, so I'm titling this broadcast Five Ways to Have a Drama-Filled Classroom. <laughs> so I'm kind of playing on the that the drama filled because you know that's obviously a word that's used drama is a word that's used you know it has a much different connotation or meaning as far as you know even last night I was watching uh the bachelorette the the final finale of the uh the bachelorette and actually this is kind of I mean while we're on this topic it's I think that show, and I actually talked about that show a lot. I did a podcast on Jane Austen and The Bachelor. Um, but that show is 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 real proof. Uh, you know, any kind of reality TV that, I mean, there's people that actually get married on that show. A lot of them don't work out. Um, and a lot of, of what we're seeing on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is is the producer's version of the story, of the reality uh, that that happened Um in real time and so they're sort of cutting cutting and pasting and figuring out like how to angle you know a particular uh person uh so that you can see say like you know the waterfall in the background or the hot air balloon or the castle or the you know just the most magnificent places on planet earth kind of is i think what they're after and and you know they're kind of setting up these scenes just like a novelist would and I think just as Jane Austen would or a lot of great writers. Um, and it, so it makes you think about how life is a kind of a performance. Of course, when there's a, a camera in front of your face, it's always a performance. But in life, right, kids can connect to this as, as just as much as anybody else where you perform for your coach. You perform, you know, if you're at church, you perform you know, a certain way with a certain friend and different with a different friend. Or if some, you're interested in somebody, then you're going to perform you know, for them as well, too, to be as cool as you possibly can. Or uh, if you're around your parents, you're going to perform for them because you want to you know, seem like an outstanding young person, right? Uh, so we're always thinking about how we're presenting ourselves and who we are to other people. And so I think kids have a, a, a connection with this. Um, and it's it's fun. It's imaginative and creative um, when we kind of take on the the personality of of a person, especially you know not necessarily a historical person person because obviously we're dealing with fiction usually when we perform something, but um, you know a a person uh, you know that that from a long time at least a fictional character from a long time ago um so so not drama filled in that sense but but performance uh, few people know how to act but everybody knows what a good performance looks like and and in my experience when you get kids to try to act in front of a classroom um it's it's just fun because there's some kids that are, are really good at it and some kids are just sort of trying their best um <laughs> But even just, I guess when you when you try your best and it's not that great, it's still it's just it's funny and it's it's like yeah we're all in this together and it creates memories. I think kids, whenever I see my old students around town, they'll always talk about when we perform something or how I read something in class, um, and so that's always great when you can kind of uh, spark a love for for reading and for for the the sort of life of literature, uh, the reality of it. Uh, when you bring it to life, bring it off the page and into the classroom, um, they always sort of remember our whatever attempts that we can make to to do that. So I think this is a really wonderful sort of thing to focus on, especially at the beginning of the year when we're we're trying so hard to get our students into performance and um, 
you know, a great performance is even kind of like Hamlet described where he hold a mirror up to nature. He's trying to describe what a great performance looked like. You know, everybody knows what it, what it looks like. The, the words and the tone fit the character and the moment. It, it's, it's all about the context of the scene uh, and the internal conflict going on inside the mind of the character. When an actor performs lines of a play or dialogue, we get to hear their words, but we yearn to know what they feel, what's going on behind the words. And so the, the body language is kind of uh, what we're like, you know, where we where we're sort of analyzing literature, we're looking for figurative language and different like parallel structure and repetition, different things that indicate what the character is thinking and feeling. Uh, but but with, with drama, you're actually looking for the body language and you're looking for how their eyes kind of light up or how they turn away when somebody says something you know, to them that, that disappoints them or whatever it might be. You're looking for the body language to, to communicate uh, what's going on internally. Whereas you know, with stream of consciousness, for, for instance, you actually are just like, yeah, here it is. The author is saying, here it is. This is what they're actually thinking. I'm going to tell you what it is. Um, so, but that's the sort of the fun part of interpreting drama and, and watching a film version, say, of Romeo and Juliet, is that you're, you're uh, listening to what they're saying, but then you're really looking uh, for what they're feeling. You know, so that's interesting. Um, that's where the body language, you know, the, the rhythm, the tone, all these different things that we can kind of talk about when we watch a film version of, of you know, Shakespeare. Uh, we can talk about that. Uh, I'm not a director, so I don't even know if the technical terms I'm going to use are correct. I'm sure somebody just like, oh, you know, rolling their eyes at how I'm going to present this to you. But, you know, he's got to try to put on that hat as a teacher, as an English teacher especially. We're always putting on different hats, you know, psycho psychiatrist or, no, sorry, uh, uh, psychologist, you know, that sort of thing. We're like doing a psychoanalytical reading of a character and trying to probe their unconscious mind. Um, you know, we're, we're pretending to, to know, you know, like all different kinds of uh, philosophical things and scientific things and music and art. And uh, we're kind of expected to, I mean, it's language, right? It's everything. So we're, we're sort of just doing the best we can to, um, to, 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 to make it work. And so being a little bit of a director is, is fun uh, as well. They always get a kick out of when I interpret art too. Like they know I'm not an art teacher, <laughs> but I'm doing my best to talk about color and, and angles and you know fragmentation and, and you know these different things that Picasso was after with cubism. Um, you just try to do your best. You know you can't be an expert in everything, and so I think that's why a lot of teachers might shy away. Uh, I think from from doing this, um, but but it is always really fun. Um, it's one of the many ways that we can make fiction a reality. Um, so there are a few ways to transform your classroom into a theater. It's not as, as easy as just saying like, okay, we're going to perform the scene. Have fun. Right. Um, a few of, <laughs> you know, we all feel like everybody's got this experience where one of the students in the school play is really good and really into acting. Um, just blows everybody away. They're like, all right, I'm totally into this. And that those are, that's good to have too. Right. Cause everybody can kind of, you know, really pay attention to how they're performing and see how they're getting into it. Um, there was a scene in, in Things Fall Apart that we did one year. Where a student did a mind-boggling performance of uh, Obierica, I think. I don't know. It's uh, Okika, I think, uh, speech where they try, he tries to rally everybody to um, go to war against the colonists, British colonists. Uh, so, yeah, there's always that, 
student that's just like, yes, this is my moment to shine. You know, I'm not the artist, but, you know, I can't do this or that, but I'm good at acting. Um, so when you say that, that's kind of, that's all you'll get is just a couple of kids who are really into it and everybody else is watching. What's, what, that's okay. Um, and, we, you know, that I've had a lot of fun with that as well, too. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes, you know, if you want to get everybody involved, um, there's, there's, a, there's a way that I kind of do it where I try to get everybody involved. So here, so here it is. Um, the first thing is to, to read the entire text independently, uh, like the whole play, right? And so in that way, they're interpreting it before you or the teacher or anybody else in the class is interpreting it. So they have their own idea of who, who the character is and what they look like. Um, and how, how they sound. Uh, so all of those thing, things are, are really important because, you know, that's that's the cr- sort of creative, inter- you know, we are always interpreting literature. That's what we're doing. And so in this sense, we're saying, okay, I want you to really interpret it to the point where, you know, you can kind of conjure up an actual person or personality and perform it like you kind of understood it. So I think that's the first piece is just reading it by themselves. Uh, the second part is doing a close reading. So like I said, if you're going to focus on a passage like I'll do in the next podcast, um, uh, you can you can go through it line by line. You know, you pick out, especially with, with Shakespeare, because it takes a lot of mental work to shift through the figurative language, the illusions, repetition, parallel structure, you know, personification, metonymy. I mean, it's just, it's almost, you'll sometimes have like five, I mean, I remember, forget what play, it was probably Hamlet, where there was like metaphors packed on metaphors. And you're like, I think I, we just read five metaphors, including like personification, synecdoche, all these different things, um, on top of like alliteration and, and, and rhyme, different sounds, things like that. Um, so there's just a lot to get, just to get to the bottom of what's actually being said. And then, like, like I kind of mentioned, you also want to get to the bottom of what the character is feeling. And so a close reading will allow you to do that. Um, so after they get to the bottom of what the characters are trying to express, they can think about how it will sound out loud. And then I say, you know, let's let's take some notes on what, what all this means. But they can also mark up the passage uh, with moments where, say, they're going to, like, read really slowly uh, they'll kind of shout something or, or, or whisper something or say it loudly so they can kind of mark it up in that way. Uh, the way they read the line should reflect what they believe is happening inside the mind of the character. They might pause their reading because the character is in disbelief or doesn't know what to say, or they can make sounds to reflect their emotions. So the third thing is to watch a performance. So this is where you know the PBS version is one. There's obviously so many different ones uh, to think about. Um, with with Shakespeare and with different uh, plays, uh, but watching a movie f- version of it is is super helpful, right? Because they're seeing somebody else's imagination come to life um, of what what Romeo sounded like, what Juliet sounded like, um, and again the space even that they're in. How do they move? Where do they go? Uh, you can look for body language and tell them. Right? We're looking for body language. We're looking for facial expressions, space. How much space is between the characters? Where do they walk? You know, the movement of where they go, how many characters are in the scene, uh, and of course, tone, volume, and, and pacing. So just how loud, how slow, how fast they're reading, how, again, if they're shouting, whispering, all those kinds of things. So they can talk about that while they watch, uh, and, then they, and then they can decide how they want to do it for themselves. 
Another interesting way to do this is creative writing. So I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, watching my students create a short play out of a short story or, or a passage from a novel. Uh, so they can create a kind of a, a skit uh, from or play, f- short play uh, from a passage, particular passage in a novel. Um, another thing I ask them to do is modernize the story by taking the basics of the plot and setting it in the present day. They could put the play in their own words or even go in the other direction and create a short story from the lines of a play. Um, so that's interesting too. So, so they look at the play. Um, you know, let's take Hamlet's talking about Hamlet. So you can say, all right, if Ophelia, say, had the chance to <laughs> be respected enough and uh, speak openly and honestly about, about what's going on and ask a Hamlet questions about what's going on, um, right? If, if she actually got to meet Hamlet in private and not where somebody's spying on her or maybe her father didn't uh, say that you, you couldn't see or talk to Hamlet, maybe, that, maybe that's just like a plot. I think of it as kind of a flaw in the plot. Um, say she knows or overheard her talking about meeting the ghost of his father, right? That would really change the whole plot of Hamlet. So, all right, write that story. So maybe it's a short, maybe that's a short story. Maybe it's a, a dramatic monologue. I, you know, you could do a lot of different things with, uh, you know, asking them to write, write creatively about the play that you're studying. Um, so you could have them imagine plot lines or fill in gaps that exist in the, in the story. Um, all right, and the last one, number five, is tech, to use technology. Um, so instead of having students stand in front of the class, because that, again, that takes kind of a theater type to do that, um, a lot of my students actually really like uh, making an audio recording with their phone or making an audio recording with a group of students and I, I let them go wherever they want. They can go out on the front lawn, in the hallway. Some stay in the class. Uh, some go down to, you know, uh, the cafeteria. Um, or you can have them, and I, it depends on how tech-savvy or how good their phones are or whatever, but I've had kids make really, really great films um, on their phones. You know, so you don't really even, sometimes I'll go to the, you know, get the iMovie from, on, from the, on a Mac or something like that. Um, and they can f- create films that way, and they don't need to be long, two, three minutes. You know, it doesn't need to be a five, 10, 20-minute movie. It can be very, very short, and, and they, for the most part, do understand. Like, you're talking short, very short clips, so you don't have to memorize anything. Like, all right, you're gonna talk for five seconds, and I'm gonna talk for five seconds, you talk for five seconds, and then we're gonna get this person's face looking, like reacting to what they're saying for five seconds. Right? It can be very, very short clips, so that way they can take all those short clips and throw them together in, in a movie. Uh, unless they and then unless they think they can do it without without all that, but that prevents them from having to look at a piece of paper, right? Sometimes you're like trying to perform, but you're looking at a piece of paper. But this way, you're just like I'm going to read this line, you're going to read that line, um, and or they can just kind of read the gist of of what's in the in the. You know, it doesn't have to be exact. You know, you just, these don't have to be perfect, amazing films, right? They can just kind of have fun putting it all together as best they can. And they can film their own, cre- you know, if I was talking about creative writing, I have them sometimes f- create films from this, the plays or skits or whatever uh, that they put together themselves. Um, so they can either just record an audio recording or they can do film. Um, and they, I think the point is to, to take it seriously, but also to make it light enough where it is, again, it's fun. They're getting out of their comfort zone, uh, taking on the personality of another person. When we ask students to read, we ask them to enter the consciousness of another person. 
and performance takes that to another level. We ask them to take the words off the page, imagine what they sound like in reality, and then take that vision and put the stuff of life into it. The sighs, the laughter, the smiles, the eye rolls, the hair pulling, and the stomping. All of that goes into uh, <laughs> just the, the things that we do when we react to each other. And literature is, is really such a celebration of uh, those reactions that we have in real life, in real time, uh, and, and make, bringing it out into the classroom is always so much fun. So just re as a reminder, you know, check out uh, and, and rediscover the beauty of Romeo and Juliet in the stylized film of Shakespeare's masterpiece from PBS, Great Performances. Engage your students with fresh video and curricular resources by WNET Group on pbslearningmedia.org. And all you have to do is search for Romeo and Juliet. The two topics that they have uh, is um, toxic masculinity and fate and free will. So you can um, see those two, two different scenes with those two topics, and you'll have some, some questions and things to, to, to think about there. So thanks for listening, everybody.